Welcome to The Looking Glass, a series that examines stories in all their varieties. I'm Peter Creighton. While I was in college, one of my best friends introduced me to an incredible documentary series called Long Way Around. Long Way Around features two best friends, Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor. Yes, that Ewan McGregor as they ride their motorbikes from London to New York. The series was a massive success, and it spawned a number of sequel series, including Long Way Down, Race to Dakar, and By Any Means. In September of 2008, I was lucky enough to interview Charlie Borman about the most recent series at that time, By Any Means. In this extensive interview, Charlie discusses how By Any Means came about, what he's learned from traveling, and why you should always travel by land. Here now is my 2008 interview with Charlie Borman. Well, let's get going then. Uh, okay. My first question for you is, how did you come up with the concept of by any means? Well, I, I suppose by any means was um, um, when we finished Long Way Down, um, uh, always just when you come to an end of an adventure, you, you, you almost don't really want to give up. And so part of the way of trying to sort of make it easier is by is by sort of start, starting to talk about other things. And, and, and I was discussing with Ewan, actually, what I was going to do next. And Ewan was off to make a to make a couple of movies and stuff. So I um, I started thinking about about this one and, and, and I got the old map out and um, and started looking. And, and actually, my uh, friend, Russ Malkin, um, who's our partner in, in Long Way Down, um, I was I was talking talking to him with it, and we we're actually at the um, at the Valencia MotoGP race, which is the you know the um, it's a bit like the F Formula One for motorbikes, and we were sort of there discussing it, and 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 it just came up with this idea of of, of c crossing the world, but 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 this time by any means of transport, so so by any means of transport that's appropriate to the country that we're going through. And uh, and it kind of came up from then. We thought, oh, that would be a brilliant idea. And then wouldn't it be great to go all the way across to Australia? That whole sort of sort of Europe to Australia thing sounded just fantastic. So it kind of sort of stemmed from there, really. Now, um, as you mentioned earlier, one of the rules for this one was uh, not just riding motorbikes, but using transportation that was unique to the region that you were in. Um, yeah. The only one that you couldn't use was flight. Yeah. Um, what made you come up with that rule? Well, I think, you know, you know, I suppose it wasn't really that long ago that 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 there weren't sort of cheap airlines, and that and that people used to travel overland much more, and certainly in the sort of 70s and 60s, 70s, and and, and stuff like that. And and it just seemed like a good idea. I'd I'd met a guy who had um, he said that he he'd got onto a bus um, in Liverpool and got off in um, in India. And uh, and he said he'd had the most amazing time. He met a whole bunch of people on this bus. They had this amazing adventure. And 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 it always seems to me that when we did long way round and long way down, that um, that you know traveling overland and traveling that that sort of slower pace, and 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 being able to see the countries and the people that 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 you meet along the way is the real fun of it. And I think these days anybody can just sort of jump onto a plane and, you know, in 23 hours' time you're, you're sitting in Sydney, but you've missed everything that's, that's gone on below you. And, and, and that, for me, is the, is the fun of it, is traveling through these different places, adapting to the different countries, and sort of dealing with all the different types of transport and, and the people that own them. That, that really seemed to me like a, like a really good, 
like a really good idea. So that's kind of what we did. So we ended up doing all sorts of things. We we, we ended up having old Ural motorcycles in Georgia and and old Russian jeeps in in, in Azerbaijan, and um, uh, uh, we got on this huge. Um, container ship from from Dubai to India, and then through India, obviously we we were on tuk tuks and Royal Enfield motorcycles and uh, beautiful cars and old um, Tata trucks and all, all sorts of stuff. So as you started um, uh, researching all these different forms of transport, all these odd kind of bits of transport kept sort of coming up, and it became more and more exciting as we as we planned it. Now, um, if you go to the website byanymeans.co.uk. It mentions like all the different types of travel you used. Now, if I'm reading this correctly, did you guys travel on elephants in India? Yeah, no, it was actually elephants in 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 Nepal, actually. Okay. And um, yeah, and we travel on. It's quite nice. You actually sort of think with the elephants that it's um, you know, it's going to be quite slow, but in actual fact, they they walk quite fast, actually. And really? and and it's quite it's it's quite funny because you lop along and elephants walk, um, their feet walk side by side, so they, it's not like a horse. But you know, they both their right feet will go forward. Both their left feet will go will go forward. So it's a very odd, very quite uncomfortable ride, actually. But you know, I'm, I don't know if any of you uh, listeners out there have 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 ever ridden a horse. But as you go along, the horse is always going down and grabbing mouthfuls of grass whenever they can. Yeah. Whereas a, whereas an elephant will grab a half a tree and rip it off and and start eating it. So it's, it's so it's, you know, my elephant in particular was grabbing any tree he could find and was was um art- artistically being able to just strip everything off the the branch and then chucking the branch away it was it was quite amazing and you never fell off with that that's very impressive yeah well they're kind of big and you sort of there's quite a long way up so so you know you you definitely hold on a bit hard um now you were mentioning some of the countries that you traveled through obviously yeah. you went through western europe um but two countries that you went through um, really caught my eye, and I was wondering if we could talk about that for a little bit. Uh, you hear a lot of them in the news recently, obviously the Republic of Georgia. Yeah. Um, but the one that really surprised me, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of Americans, is Iran. You went through Iran, and I was just wondering what those two countries were like and what the reception you guys received was like as well. Well, I think, um, um, yeah, I mean, that it, it's interesting. When you're planning um, trips like this, it, 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 it's only – it's only when you start to really sort of plot through the the countries that you want to go through that you realise there's there's actually quite a lot of um, there's there's quite a lot of problems going on in the in in the world and 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 I think up until a few years ago you know I don't think anyone would have thought of going through Iran and you know you'd go through Afghanistan and Pakistan and then India and that was our original route but because um, Afghanistan has become has become so so uh, so problematic now and that and that and that um, that Pakistan is, has has got some big problems as well, and and as we were travelling along on the trip, you know there were two or three bombs went off in 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 Pakistan, so it became quite clear that we couldn't go through Afghanistan and Pakistan, and and then our only option was really to go through Iran, and it's it's quite bizarre that you know up up until a few years ago you would never have thought of going through Iran. Yeah, you know, and um, and now it's opened up, but you know I think one of the things which certainly which you and I um, Realized when when we were going down through Africa and 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 um, and on our first trip through through Russia and stuff is that is that although the press and everybody talks a lot about these countries that 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 once you're in them that it it's totally different story. I mean, especially when we went through Iran. I mean, you just 
the Iranians are just like anyone else. They're all just getting on busy doing their own thing. Nobody has any particular interest in what the governments are, are, are kind of quarreling about. And, 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 and you feel tremendously safe going through that. And one of the things that I found amazing about Iran was, was, um, was the northern part. When we came in from the very top, it's, 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 the whole area is covered in, in, in rice fields and, and, and all these rice paddies. And it looks like, like, like Vietnam or, or, or Cambodia or somewhere. It's quite, it's quite bizarre. But just lovely people. And, and, um, and I think, but I think the Iranians are all, they're all a little bit skeptical about the Americans and the British and, you know, which is quite, I suppose, quite right because they've got sort of ships and, and submarines all floating around just off their coast. But, uh, but I think the general people just, you know, just get on with their lives. That's, that's the kind of thing I noticed is even going through Georgia. You know, I remember when we went through Georgia, um, we went through on this old Russian motorcycle sidecar outfit and it was all sprayed up in, um, in army colors. So I don't know if we, if we, if we started off the invasion or not, but, uh, but, um, but, you know, and people were talking about the problems of Russia. Uh, but, you know, again, people were just sort of getting on with their own lives. And, and I think, I think in most countries, you know, the majority of the people who actually live there are just getting on with their everyday life and aren't that affected by, by what's going on. So it's kind of like one of those things, uh, you know, it's mainly the governments doing the quarreling and just everyday people. They just see you as everyday people as well. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I mean, I think Georgia at the moment has, has got some serious problems and the Russians have, have come into to a part of their country. And, they, you know, they did it very cleverly during the Olympics and at a time when people's minds and attitudes were were in other places, you know, and and and. Um, and, and it's awful what's happened there now, but but and, and hopefully it can be resolved soon. I hope, but you know, it it, it really seems to me from 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 my experiences is, is is that it's really a very small minority of people who tend to sort of create these terribly big problems. Now, obviously, I've seen a long way round, long way down, and I look forward to seeing by any means. And it always seems there's one country that just really like that's the standout country above every other ones you traveled mm. through. Um, on the first one, it seemed like Mongolia was the one for you guys. Um, sure. Long way down, it seems like it was Ethiopia. Do you have one country on this trip, by any means, um, that just completely stood out and blew you away? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think so. I mean, I mean, for me, going through, you know, once, once we got into sort of Turkey and, and, and Georgia and Iran and India and, and Vietnam and all these places, I'd never been to any of that part of the world before. So... So the whole the whole trip, or most of the trip, was a real eye opener for me. But I think, if I was to say, I mean, I think it would be two countries for me this time. I think India would just absolutely blew me away, and 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 I think that people talk about India a lot, and people talk about the sort of madness and the and the smell and the, the whole sort of three dimensional experience of India and the and the and the cultures and the people and and how packed it is. And and I think until you until you actually go there, you just don't realize how mad the whole the whole place is and that how you know when you when you get into a taxi or get on a motorbike or drive a car or a little tuk-tuk in 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 india it's just it's chaos on the roads and uh and i noticed at, at the beginning that a lot of people sort of turned their wing mirrors in so that they weren't using their wing mirrors and after a few days of driving on the roads you 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 kind of realize that that's probably the 
probably the wise thing to do is best not to know what's really going on behind you because it's usually chaos but but somehow within all this chaos of india and all these um, so many people in the cities are so packed amongst this chaos is a is a real um is there's a real sense of 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 everything works everything has a has an order and there's and and amongst the chaos there's a there's absolutely it absolutely works and 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 the and people have this tremendous sort of sort of tolerance towards each other and and um and it's amazing because you do see some of the weirdest sort of most dangerous driving you've ever seen but people seem to just sort of just carry on as if it's totally normal and there's there's a, there's a real sense of it's just amazing and the people are so friendly and 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 you know every time you stop somewhere you within a couple of minutes you'll have just a gang of people around you all be and they're all quite nosy you know and all asking questions and they sort of invade your space a little bit which is at first quite uh quite disconcerting but 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 after after a period of time you you start to quite enjoy the whole the whole chaos of of india but the other place that i loved and really loved was um was um indonesia really yeah and um and borneo and and we just had some some amazing time we did some um work with uh, unicef um and uh went on, went on to um went on to the island of borneo and 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 um we headed right up into this very far-reaching place where, <clears throat> um, you know, one of the biggest problems of, of in third-world countries is um, is immunizing children. Okay. You know, for simple things like uh, like measles and tetanus and other things which we all take for granted, but uh, but you know, it's something which which takes a massive effort to be able to get these these uh, injections up to these far-reaching places because you know all the all the injections have to be all the not the injections the uh, the immunization has to be kept cool yeah. and 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 you know sometimes these people travel for 18 19 hours to get up to these remote villages to to immunize children and 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 that's that was incredible but it was the indonesian people that were hilarious really smiley lovely people that's interesting cuz you really don't hear a lot about indonesia especially over here in america it's just like oh yeah it's indonesia and that's it yeah um but you mentioned unicef and that's uh segueing to my next question on all of your trips uh, you guys have always worked with UNICEF. Yeah. Um, what does it mean for you to be able to work with such a well-respected world organization like UNICEF? I remember when we were doing Long Way Round um, with you in the first time, you know, our first trip together, and um, and we were, you know, we we were going through all these different countries all the way around the world, and and, and we were looking for someone to to get involved with, and, and and someone who had sort of representation in the countries that we were going through, and 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 you know, UNICEF. Um, came up and, and, and because they work with children and that you and I have both got four or five years ago we had very small children and, and, and it just seemed like the right thing to do and, and you know so we got involved with them then and then we did um, then I did the I did the Dakar rally um, and made a documentary about that called Race to Dakar and I was involved with UNICEF then and then when you and I went down through Africa, to, Africa together it, it seemed like the right um, charity to be involved with and then again on this one and um I, mean, I think it's because we have children and and they do such an amazing job. I mean, they supply something like forty percent of the world's uh, immunization for children wow. uh, for free, and and you know, and they're not. Although they're part of the United Nations, they're not funded by the United Nations. They're totally self-funded, and so you know, the work that they do around the world and in every single country, they're 
they've got a representative in there, and they're and they're working closely with the government to make to to uh, make sure that um, child policies are kept up and that children aren't forgotten. And you know, it's amazing what they do. So so uh, you know, and for that, that's why we're you know we're so committed to them. Now, isn't it true with UNICEF that they're not there for an extended amount of time? They're there forever. Yeah, they're there forever. I mean, they are there constantly. They always have representation in all these countries. They, but one of the big things that they do as well is that is that they don't try to sort of just come in with aid and just help. What they try to do is they try to set up along with other um, charitable workers and stuff, and they give support to to other um, people doing things. Uh, is that they. Uh, and what they want to do is sort of set people up so that they become independent for themselves, so that if UNICEF did have to move out for some reason, the the whole infrastructure would still be able to run on its own. So 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 they really try very hard to to create a system that they say if they can step out of, you know, there's enough local people there who have been trained to be able to um, to take over and carry on. Now, um, we've been mentioning a little bit about uh, Long Way Down, and right mm. now over here in America, it's currently airing on uh, Fox Reality, yeah. and just sitting there watching it, and it just seems like Africa is just this absolutely incredible place to visit. Since you've been there, what would you say is the biggest misconception about Africa that people who necessarily haven't been there yet have? I think the biggest misconception is, is one that I think when when people mention any place in Africa, but I think people have a tendency to to see Africa as one country and not a and not a continent of many countries, and that people's people's um, impression of it is you know starving children and and drought and famine and, and 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 stuff like that, and that's I think that's you know a general sort of idea of what people think, and then they think it's an incredibly dangerous place where people are running around with machetes and hoping to chop people's heads off. And that just doesn't happen. I mean, I mean, you know, if you think about the amount of thousands and thousands of backpackers who go to Africa every year and who, who take on these overland trucks and they do all sorts of stuff and backpack on trains and buses and all sorts of stuff. And it's so rarely do you ever hear of anything that goes on with, with, with travelers. You almost never, ever see anything ever in the papers about it. And, and I... I think that you know, from what goes on in the in the press or in the or on the, on the news, you know, people are slightly concerned about it. But you know, as someone who's travelled all the way through Africa, I can, I can say that there was never once. I don't think that you and I ever felt that we were under threat or or felt nervous about being somewhere. I mean, all we ever really got was when we arrived in all these countries was um, was a lot of people who are very inquisitive about what we were doing there and where we were going and um and 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 a lot of generosity i think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have by watching your programs is just it's only an hour long so they really don't see how long the trip is but the other yeah. thing is just the difficulty of off-riding um give any description of what riding in deep sand in the sudan was really really like <laughs> it was, it was uh, riding in sand on any bike is is really hard. I mean, I don't know if anyone's even just gone with a push bike and got into a little bit, just a little bit of sand, and how difficult that is. And then you've got like a three hundred and something kilo bike, um, uh, and you're trying to go through this sort of deep, really, really fine, nasty sand. It's so hard to stay upright. Yeah. And um, and you know, you're on average on on the on the bad days, you're you know, you're falling over two, three, four times a day, and um, 
and then and and the thing is is that you're stuck on some of these roads and um and and you know you know you go to and they're really bad i mean people's conception of a bad road is there's some potholes and some bit of broken tarmac and people say that was a dreadful road and um my conception of a dreadful road is that a road that is just about impassable and that you have to then go off the road to find a track to get around the really bad bit and back onto the road again and um and then when you're on those kind of roads it's not just for you know a a couple of hundred meters it's 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 for four days and and so you've got to endure this for four days of terrible terrible roads and camping on the side of the road and then carrying on the next day and falling over again and again and again and and uh it, it's really tough, but but I think that that's part of the adventure is is doing that and 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 you know of choosing these roads and and going and you know before long and I'm sure in Africa before long you know in ten years time or so most of these roads will be gone and you know most of them will be tarmacked and 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 it'll be gone so so there's not much time left to go and have those amazing experiences so you know if if you if you're thinking about if anyone's thinking about going to do it, you know, get on with it. Because <laughs> it's not that bad. And the great thing about it is that no matter where you are, and if you, you break down or you have a bit of car trouble or bike trouble, you can sit on the side of the road and before you know it, you know, there'll be someone coming along to stop to help. And and people will always help in, in these countries. Yeah, I mean, look at you guys were in Mongolia. I mean, talk about a far-reaching country where... You know, there's not a lot going on. You guys were in Mongolia, broke down, and people still came to help you. Yeah, and I think I think there's an understanding of when you travel across America and stuff, you have AAA or something, you stop and, 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 you know, no one stops to see if you're okay. You have to make a phone call. You wait for someone to come and tow you or or, or maybe fix it. And, and But whereas in Mongolia or, or, or in places in Africa, if you, if you stop and break down, there's, there's nothing, you yeah. know. I mean, it, 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 it just to do just to do forty miles in some places in in, in Mongolia will take you two days, and and um, and so 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 if there's other travellers there, you know they'll always stop because because they know if 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 they break down, they are totally reliant on someone else to stop and help them. So so it's it's like an unwritten rule that you just stop and help. Is there a possibility of a long way up? I don't know. I think, you know, as I was saying before, when you when you sort of stop a, a journey, you're always sort of talking about another one to sort of try and make it easy to stop the one you're on. Because, you know, when you come to the end of one, although your most burning desire is to see your children again and, and your wife, because it's, you know, three and a half months on this last one, you know, it's, it's a long time to be away from your family and, 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 and it's tough. So your overpowering thing is to finish and to see your children and and stuff and 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 your wife and and um but on the back of your mind you, if someone gave you the excuse you could quite easily turn around and just ride back home you know and and so so the way to stop it is to sort of stop is to talk about another trip and maybe do another trip um and and you know of course you and I have spoken about maybe doing another one but but um but you know I think you know we between long way round and long way down there was a good 3 years and 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 I don't think that you and I have we've got lots of other things going on at the moment so you know it would be um, it wouldn't be for another good few years yet. But you know, this never say never. What would you say is the big message you want people who watch all these programs to get? Well, I, th- I think that just so that people should know that, and I think that hopefully we show it on these on these trips, is that the world is 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 a really safe place, and 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 
you know, if you want to travel through Africa or through or through Russia or through all the places I've been, Indonesia and places like that, I, I can handle my heart and safely say I've never once that I ever feel nervous or, or worried about being in a place. And, and, and I think it's a, such a beautiful world. And, and I think, you know, to get out there and have a look around, I think is one of the best things you can do. And do it over land, you know, fly somewhere and then, you know, travel a bit from if you're going to go somewhere. It's so much fun and you meet so many people. And, and, and it's good for the spirit and the soul. It's really good for the soul. And and, um, and when you get back from, from that kind of holiday, you'll, you'll feel so invigorated and ready to get out there and face the world again. And that was my 2008 interview with Charlie Borman. Be sure to check out Charlie, along with his friend Hugh McGregor, in the new Apple TV Plus series, Long Way Up, premiering on September 18th. I'm Peter Creighton. And thanks for listening to The Looking Glass. The Looking Glass podcast was created by Stephen Anderson and Peter Creighton. The Charlie Borman interview was written, narrated, and produced by me, Peter Creighton. Special thanks goes to Charlie Borman and to Rob Quick for introducing me to the Long Way Around series. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the program, and I would love some feedback. Write a review on Apple Podcasts or on Google Podcasts. You can also leave a comment on SoundCloud or email the show at thelookingglasspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Peter Creighton, and cheers. Cheers.